Welcome to the NABC Guardians of the Game podcast, where we go inside what makes a coach a coach. The Guardians of the Game podcast is a production of the National Association of Basketball Coaches and Learfield IMG College, brought to you by Wilson Sporting Goods. And now, here's your host, Dave Odom. Welcome back to the NABC Guardians of the Game podcast. Today's guest is the head coach of the Colorado Buffaloes, Tad Boyle. Tad, welcome to the broadcast, welcome to the podcast, and welcome to college basketball. Thanks for doing this. Absolutely, Dave. Great to be with you. All right, let's talk a little bit about your life and how you got into basketball, because I know you didn't go straight into it uh, right away. Uh, you were born in Greeley, Colorado. And, you know, I got to tell you, when I first looked at that, I said, who in the heck is born in Greeley, Colorado? Well, the answer is Tad Boyle. What was it like growing up in Greeley, Colorado? Well, Dave, it was a great, great uh, town, a uh, great time. You know, but I was born in 63, and uh, I was actually born in Pueblo, a couple, mi- a couple uh, hours south, but moved to Greeley uh, when I was very, very young. My father was an English professor at uh, it's the old Colorado State College, which now is the University of Northern Colorado in Greeley. So he was an, uh, a professor on campus, and, and I got a chance to grow up uh, in a very uh, quiet, you know, bedroom community, uh, safe place, and, uh, you know, played baseball growing up, played basketball, played football, all the sports, and, and uh, you know, it was kind of kind of town where you could ride your bike. I'd ride my bike to the gym up on the college, and I'd, I'd uh, wouldn't lock my bike. I'd go in and play basketball for a couple hours, come out and get on my bike and ride home and have lunch. And just, uh, uh, great memories and a uh, great town to grow up in. And, and, uh, I had a chance to actually go back and that was my first chance to be a head coach was in Greeley at the university of Northern Colorado. And that's where my, I was before, uh, my stint here with the Buffaloes. So, uh, got great memories of Greeley, great friends there, uh, and, uh, a great place to grow up. Well, you should have great memories. As I look at your bio here, uh, uh, you played in uh, at, at uh, Greeley Central High School. In uh, those days, were called the Wildcats. You you want uh, you went to a state championship uh, as a senior. You earned Colorado Player of the Year honors. Uh, selected to the Converse All America team. Uh, high school jersey was retired. You had a really good career there. But nowhere can I find who your high school coach was, or maybe coaches. Um, and, and I don't know about you, I grew up in a town a lot like Greeley, at least it sounds that way. And I know one of the real influences in my life was my high school coach. Who was yours, and what kind of influence were they on your life? Great influence, um, Dave. Uh, Larry Hicks was my high school coach, and Greeley Central is a is is a great school with great history. There was a guy back in the day in the in the fifties and sixties coaching there named Jim Baggett, and he won I think six or seven state championships. So Greeley Central's got great basketball tradition, not necessarily recently, but certainly back uh, back in the day. And Larry Hicks was my high school coach and gave me the foundation. Of, of who I was as a basketball player and also, uh, you know, as, as a basketball coach. And, uh, you know, we'll talk about uh, who I played for in college, I'm sure, here in a bit. But, but my high school coach was, was a, a defensive fundamental guy. I can still remember 
the Monday practices because everybody takes Sunday off in high school and then you come back on Monday, you have practice and get ready for your games that week. And every Monday it was a defensive-minded practice and I didn't look forward to it because I, I liked to shoot the ball, Dave, in, in high school. I didn't like to play defense. and uh, But he made me do it and was a great influence on me. And, and it's funny, you know, uh, my, my coaching philosophy, uh, I can trace back to both him and Larry Brown, who I played for at the University of Kansas. So uh, Larry Hicks was a great coach, really central. It's, it's ironic because I'm now coaching at the University of Colorado. You mentioned the state championship. It was my boyhood dream to, to win a state championship at Greeley Central because I'd always see those banners when I would come into practice. And, and we won a state championship in 1981 on the very floor that I now go out and coach on every day at the, at the University of Colorado because that's where the state championship was held back in the 80s. And, wow. and uh, so great, great, great memories of, of winning a state championship with your, you know, all your buddies you grow up with. And, and then uh, it was onward and upward from there. I, I was looking at your your bio a little bit um, uh, before we we started the podcast today, and um, I did not realize that you went to the University of Kansas. Uh, and when you got there in 1981, um, Ted Owens was uh, the head coach. Ted Owens, for those who are younger and don't know, was one of the real uh, great coaches of his time. Uh, he was a uh, I, I'd known him a little bit um, from afar. Um, I used to see him at the NABC um, uh, meetings. I used to see him in the NCAA tournaments. He was always congenial. He was always uh, easy to talk to. He was always, let's sit down and let's talk about things that are going on now. And on top of that, he was a great coach. And then he was followed by Larry Brown, who was, you know, the consummate teacher of the game and the motivator of the game. Uh, And when you talk about mentors of the game for all of us I mean you had two great uh, uh great coaches uh while at the University of Kansas uh, one of them Ted Owens when you went in and then of course later on Larry Brown tell us about how that uh, transition went and what your recollection of each one of those coaches was yeah Dave I'm so glad you brought up coach Owens because I was going to do that and and just because you know when you when you talk about Kansas and the national championships, Larry Brown gets a lot of attention as he as he should. I mean, winning the championship in '88 and, and and being the Hall of Fame coach that he is. But I wouldn't have been at the University of Kansas if it wasn't for Ted Owens. And his assistant at the time was a guy named Bob Hill, who went on to coach in the NBA and 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 has affected a lot of young lives as well. So, uh, Coach Hill recruited me, you know, out of Greeley to Kansas and playing two years for Ted Owens was was a joy because Ted Owens and and, and I'm I'm so glad you have great memories of him because he he's he just turned 90 this past summer. He is the what I would call one of the great gentlemen's of the game. I mean, he is he's just a uh the kind of guy that you uh uh, you felt proud playing for because he was he treated you right. Uh, he was a very good coach at the time. Kansas, as you know, is a is a very rich basketball tradition. There was a lot of uh, heat on him at the time, and I felt really really bad when I was after my sophomore year when he was let go um, because again we all loved him as players and he was a he was a great coach. Won well over sixty percent of his games, but you know a place like Kansas. That sometimes that's not good enough, and uh, so they made a move and they brought in Larry Brown. And as you know, every time there's a coaching change, you know every 
player it crosses their mind, do I stay, do I go, do I transfer, do I go somewhere else? And and I'm so glad that I stayed because I had a chance to play for a great gentleman and great coach in Ted Owens, but then obviously a Hall of Fame coach in, in Larry Brown. And, and, and Coach Brown really helped shape my basketball philosophies as well. So, um, you know, I, I graduated in 1985 from Kansas. And uh, that year there was a freshman at Kansas, Dave, that I know you you know pretty well. His name was Danny Manning. And uh, so I tell people all the time that Danny had the privilege of playing with me for one year. And uh, um, but uh, I say that obviously tongue in cheek because Danny was one of the great college players in my mind of all time, one of one of them. Uh, and uh, so having the chance to play with him and and go to, back to the NCAA tournament was was a was a treat. But both Ted Owens and Larry Brown were great influences on me, and and I stay in touch with both of them to this day. Well, you you didn't stay around long enough to be one of the juniors, though. I noticed that. So. <laughs> Danny and the That's juniors. Right. Uh, no. Another another guy that uh, was a teammate of yours is still a good friend and a great basketball coach in his own right is Mark Turgeon. Yep. Yeah, and Mark, it's funny. I would not be in college coaching if it weren't for Mark Turgeon. And uh, to kind of give you a little bit of history, he, we played together for two years. And uh, um, Mark was a great player at Kansas, but we became uh, good friends when we played together, but actually became much better friends after I graduated and moved on. And a uh, uh, guy that I really uh, consider t- uh, to this day one of, one of my uh, true, true lifelong friends. And uh, I was coaching high school basketball in the uh, early to mid-90s in, in Colorado, and I was in the investment business, Dave. I, I was selling stocks and bonds and mutual funds and, and helping people invest their money for their retirement and their futures. And then the market would close at two o'clock in the afternoon here in Colorado, and I'd, I'd, you know, get in my car, go to the gym, be in the gym by three thirty, and coach high school kids. And and Mark was an assistant at the University of Oregon at the time, and he. Uh, asked me, did you ever think about coaching in college? And I, you know, I'd never really given it much thought. And uh, I was in a, I was in a near fatal car accident um, about a year earlier, and it really changed my perspective on life uh, in terms of, you know, how quickly it can can go. And uh, I was fortunate enough to survive it. And uh, but I said, you know, I'm 29, 30 years old. If I don't do this now, I don't want to be in my mid 50s. Uh, wondering what if, and so I took a leap of faith. And uh, back then, Dave, you may remember, but there was a, a, a spot at every staff called the restricted earnings position, and it was uh, you could only make sixteen thousand dollars a year. And I was making significantly more than that, you know, in the investment business. But uh, I think they offered the job to probably six or seven other people who turned it down, and I kind of got it by default. And that's what, you know, led me to the University of Oregon in my first college job. You know, kind of quickly, let's back up just a little bit because I, I don't want to pass um, your high school coaching. Um, the, the, you can't believe how many people – who are aspiring college coaches who are now in high school uh, who travel that same path that you and I traveled. I was a high school coach for 11 years, so I know what it was like to mop the floor, to wash the uh, uniforms, to, uh, to dry them, to fold them, 
towels, you know, get everything ready for the next day. But I did it, uh, uh, me and maybe one of my assistants. You probably did all of that same thing. Uh, some of the, uh, the coaches that are listening to us now, you know, they only see uh, Tad Boyle as he flies in on a jet and, you know, recruits at the school and you get back on that jet and you go back to, uh, to Denver and then drive over to Boulder. Uh, they, don't, they don't know what you have to go through as a high school coach. Kind of um, describe what the, 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 your days were like uh, as a high school coach. Yeah, and, and Dave, you're exactly right. And they were they were a little atypical because uh, my assumption. I, did you did you teach at the school that you coached at? Oh yeah, teacher as well. Oh yeah, coach, yeah, yeah. See, and so so for my situation it was a little different because I was in I was in the business world, and then I would show up at the gym, you know, at three thirty, and then I I didn't know if uh, you know a young man's girlfriend broke up with him that day, or I didn't know if he flunked a test or he got in trouble, you know, at the at the lunch line, you know. So I would come in and I'd have to get a feel for those young men in a very short period of time because I was only with them for a couple hours during basketball practice. And uh, but but you're exactly right. I started. I coached six six years of high school basketball. Only three of those were as a head coach. Uh, the other two, one was a JV coach, and I started at the sophomore level, which was the absolute worst level because you know if any of your Good players or sophomores are going to be moved up to the JV team, and and I was left with you know kind of what was left over. But it's amazing how you learn, you know, as a coach. And you mentioned Larry Brown and what a great teacher he was. And I wasn't a teacher by trade like you were, um, or like really Coach Brown was. I mean, he was he was a, he was a born teacher. I had to learn that. I had to learn how to teach and how to you know I'd played the game at a high level but I had never taught the game. And so those six years as a high school coach really, really helped me. And I look back on those times, and I feel sorry, quite frankly, for the young men that I coached because I was just learning. I didn't know. Uh, I knew the game, but I didn't always know how to communicate the game. And so every time I run into one of those young men, and I run into them, you know, from time to time, you know, around the community or at speaking engagements, and I always apologize to them, you know, because I wasn't as, uh, the kind of coach that they probably deserved at the time. But I was just young and learning, and 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 that's that's I think when you are a young coach, you have to be patient with yourself and. You've got to be, uh, you know, a lifelong learner. And and uh, but I was just starting my my uh, my trek then. But you're exactly right. When when you start at that level, you have an appreciation for for every high school coach and every high school gym you walk into, and not just the high school coach, but the JV coach and the sophomore coach and the, you know the team managers and uh, you know as well as I how many people it takes to have a successful program. And so. You know, we you take this uh, at at Mark Turgeon's uh, uh, urging. You take this sixteen thousand dollar a year job, and you go out to Oregon, and you're coaching under uh, a native North Carolinian that I know very well, uh, Jerry Green. Uh, Jerry Jerry was also a high school coach in Gastonia, North Carolina, when I was at Durham, uh, North Carolina. So I know Jerry. He was an excellent coach, and you you know you go in there and you're coaching under him and you uh, you have that Oregon experience and you go to the NIT tournament and then you you follow him he gets a job at the University of Tennessee you go there and uh, you guys did really really well you director basketball operation they are a little bit of a promotion uh, you win 20 games at Tennessee and you make the NCAA tournament um, tell us about the experience with uh, coach Green at those two stops 
It was great. And and I mentioned Mark Turgeon because Mark was the one that kind of sold me to Coach Green because Coach Green didn't know me from from Adam. He knew that I played at Kansas, but he we really didn't have a relationship. And 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 Coach Turgeon said, "Listen, you know, Coach Green's a a, a good man and he's a good coach, and we got it. We're, we got some really good young players at Oregon. We got a chance to be successful. So, you know, he kind of sold Coach Green on me, and he's also sold uh, me on Coach Green." And uh, I was with Coach for four years, you know, three at Oregon and one at Tennessee, and I learned a lot. I mean, I can't, I can't, he's a very good coach and uh, a guy that uh, I learned a lot from. And, and, and quite frankly, it was my connection. You know, I had a, I had a connection to Kansas and playing for, for Larry Brown, who was a North Carolina player. But, you know, Coach Green, like you said, was a high school coach, uh, extremely clo- close with uh, Coach Williams there at Carolina. And so I learned the Carolina way or the Carolina system. And I'll never forget, Dave, you know, you make $16,000 a year. You don't, you don't go out to lunch. You, you bring your peanut butter and jelly sandwich and your, your potato chips and maybe, a, you know, go down to the drinking fountain for, for water because you're not going to buy a bottle of water. And I'd sit in the office every day at lunch and, you know, and, and work. And one day, you know, the secretary's out, everybody's out, and the phone rings, and I pick up the phone, and I kind of recognize the the voice on the other end, but uh, it was Dean Smith. And Coach Smith was calling for Coach Green just to check up on him and just, you know, and then he says, so who am I talking to? I said, well, this is Tad Boyle. He said, hey, Tad, this is Dean Smith, the university. I said, Coach, I kind of recognize your voice, you know. And (laughs) and he was at, he said, how's your 22 defense doing? And and, and right away, you know, that 22 defense was was Carolina's half court man to man, you know. And and it's like we just, we picked up. I'd, I'd worked for Coach Green for a year or two, but the terminology, that we used at Oregon was exactly what Coach Smith had used, you know, at North Carolina. And and so it's really neat to have a piece of that tradition. I'm certainly not a North Carolina native. I didn't play there. I didn't grow up there. But I always feel a connection because I worked for Jerry Green for four years. And that's really kind of neat. Let's talk about your head coaching experience. You went to uh, Northern Colorado first. And I don't know if there was a program in the country that was in worse shape than Northern Colorado when you got there. I was just reading up on uh, what they were what they were like. Uh, you take the head head coaching job there, and you help the program transition from being a Division One uh, uh, into Division One in your first season. You go four and twenty four. That had to be, I mean, it had to be a nightmare uh, to try to oh, get that boy. thing turned around. You were the last team in the RPI rankings. But over the next two seasons, uh, you begin to win some games. Thirteen in the second season, fourteen to third. Then you get into your fourth year in Northern Colorado, won a school record twenty-five games, made the uh, quarterfinals of the College Insiders Tournament, and uh, you know a lot of accolades came your way. They justifiably should. What what was the uh, what was life like as the Northern Colorado head coach? Well, you you mentioned you know coaching uh, high school basketball and having to turn on the lights and sweep the gym and you know get. <laughs> I didn't have to fold the towels though. I uh, didn't have to do that, but I did have to turn on the lights and sometimes sweep the gym or my assistants would. But it was a great experience as a first time head coach. And and again, I go back uh, to my high school coaching days. 
it really helped prepare me. Now, I was in my hometown. Uh, I was in very familiar uh, surroundings. There were some faculty members that were colleagues of my father. So it was a very comfortable environment for me, but one where I felt like I had to succeed. Like, and I was almost coaching, you know, for my father's legacy. I felt like that when I when I'd go to the office every day because my dad, I lost my dad, my senior year of my high school season in uh, December tenth, nineteen eighty, right in the middle of my senior year, and he was a professor on campus. So now here I am as the head coach of that university where my dad taught, and in a gym I grew up in, basically going and riding my bicycle like I'd mentioned. So. We're four and twenty-four after that first year, and there's I think I think there were three hundred twenty-three or three hundred twenty-six. I forget how many Division One teams that year, but Dave, you're exactly right. Our RPI at the end of the year was dead last, and I remember I cut that out and I pasted it on my desk and I pasted it on my bathroom mirror at home. I gave it to every one of my assistant coaches. I um, had it put up in the weight room. Uh, I wanted our players and coaches every day to say, listen, this is where we are, this is who we are, but this is not where we're going to stay. And making the transition from Division Two to Division One for a lot of schools is a huge jump, a huge leap. Financially, budget-wise, it was a big jump for Northern Colorado. And I'm not sure that the administration knew how big a jump it was, but we start recruiting, we start redshirting kids, and uh, lo and behold, you know, four years later, we win 25 games. Holy cow, it was, uh, as I look back on my 25-plus years now of coaching between college and high school, assistant coaches, the whole deal, I'm not sure I'm more proud of any period of time in my career than I am those four years, because that was that was hard work. And uh, the players that we coached and the development that they made from uh, getting their teeth kicked in as freshmen to now as seniors or redshirt you know, juniors to be having the success they had. And then the year after I left, they went to the NCAA tournament. Um, tr- tremendous, tremendous pride and, and uh, sense of accomplishment with that group of young men. Isn't it true that, um, you know, as you kind of separate from – one year and you're on to the next and on to the next and on to the next. The, the connection that you have in the locker room and on the practice floor sometimes supersedes what happens in the games themselves. I mean, the, the, the relationships that you have, if they're proper, it seems to me, like, I know it is with me, I, I, the thing, uh, you, you know, time moves on and people somehow or another, they – they may or may not forget about some of the championships and things that you you did well while you're there, but you know the memories that you have with your players, the, the things you know. We're, we're getting ready to have something at Wake Forest, a, a big reunion coming up, and you know I look at a, uh, some of our players, and and I I look at them more more different than maybe uh, the fans do. I, I think about them in the locker room and some of the kidding that goes on or some of the trials, tribulations, things that they have, you know, with the, maybe their families, and they came to me for, you know, help and answers. I mean, isn't that, isn't that, isn't that what coaching's all about, really? Absolutely. You know, and, and, and Dave, I'm so glad you're having a reunion because those reunions are special. And my guess is when you go back to that reunion at Wake Forest, it's much like 
you know, when I go to a wedding uh, of one of our former players there in, in Greeley at Northern Colorado, and there's, you know, five or six former players there, and you're talking, and you go back to those times, and nobody's talking about how many minutes they played. Nobody's talking about what their shooting percentage was or how many minutes they played or how many games they started. All they're talking about is what went on in the locker room, what went on on the bus, what went on at the hotel, what happened on this road trip. Like It's the memories that are created by the game of basketball and the relationships that are built and cemented by the game of basketball that make coaching so special. And being able to go back to those reunions or, like I say, uh, a wedding or, unfortunately, sometimes now, you know, funerals, um, it's just it's just uh, uh, a connection that coaches and players have and players and players have. And, you know, you mentioned my relationship with Mark Turgeon. I mean, it's lifelong. And, uh, you know, I know when his kids are born. I know when their birthdays are. I know when they graduate from high school. And, 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 and that started as teammates at the University of Kansas back in, you know, the mid eighties. Uh, so that, that it's such an important point because you mentioned it, you know, a lot of people who look at coaches, they think about the games, they think about being on TV. They think about the, you know, all the glitz and glamor. The bottom line is it's what's happening in that locker room and those relationships with your players that are special and, and, and make this such a special job. Okay, so things go well towards the end there at Northern Colorado, and just up the road you get the call from Boulder. Uh, Colorado's uh, the Buffaloes are not doing well in basketball. They they haven't found a high level of consistency. They have a good year, and then they fall back. They ask Tad Boyle, a native Coloradan, uh, to come in there and solidify the program and uh, take it from there. Tell us what it's been like to be. Uh, in two major conferences, you in the Big Eight there at one time, and I don't know what they're calling now, Big Twelve, I guess it is. Big Twelve, and, yeah. Right, and yeah. now you go into the, you transition into the Pac-10. So, uh, tell us about the experience at Colorado. Well, number one, there's a little Wake Forest connection, Coach, in that uh, you know Jeff Bizdelic, my predecessor here, left Colorado. He's only one of two coaches to leave on their own terms uh, in, in recent memory. And uh, the other one was Bill Blair back when, back in the early, the early 80s. But, but Jeff Bizdelic took the head coaching job at Wake Forest. And I am so fortunate that we had the year we had because if he leaves a year earlier and Northern Colorado is 16 and 14, I'm not even considered for this job. But because he left when he did and – we had a 25-win season, and we made the turnaround, and it happened an hour, you know, just up the road. You know, got my name involved in the the, the coaching uh, uh, job here at Colorado. I'm also fortunate that it was a old-fashioned hiring, and what I mean by that is there was not a search firm involved because a search firm would not have recommended Tad Boyle. They would say, hey, that's too big of a jump. You can't go from the big sky in northern Colorado to the Big 12 and, you know, and the recruiting and you know, all the stuff that goes with it. He, he's not ready for that job yet. But there was no search firm, Dave. It was, it was an interview. It was, it was, they basically narrowed it down and you know, 
found out who was interested in the job and they interviewed three guys and and uh they ended up hiring me and I was so fortunate Mike Bone was the athletic director here at the time who's now at University of Southern California uh, out in LA back you know in the Pac-12 himself but uh I was very fortunate to get it and then I was also fortunate that coach Bizdelic had recruited some pretty good players had kind of uh built them up built them up they hadn't broken through yet but that first year, we win a, a school record 24 games and go to the final four of the NIT in, in New York City. And I I look back, and I don't know what your feeling is. I'd like to get your feeling on this as a coach. But I think sometimes in your early phases of rebuilding a program, going to the NIT is more valuable than and, and making a run and getting to New York City and playing in Madison Square Garden, it's more valuable than going to the NCAA tournament uh, and playing one game and getting beaten and being out. I think your players learn how to uh, win postseason games. They, they, they again, have, have a lot of fun and, and, again, school record 24 wins. But I, I'll tell you a quick story about that first year. And this is not in any coaching 101 book. Uh, I've never had to deal with it uh, since, and I hope I never have to deal with it again. But we had we had won five games against top 25 opponents that first year at Colorado. We beat K-State three times, who had a heck of a team, um, very well coached by Frank Martin. We beat Texas, who was a top, top uh, five team at the time. We beat Missouri. Uh, and we made it to the semifinals of the Big 12 tournament in, in Kansas City and lost to KU by seven points, I think it was. And didn't even enter my mind that we weren't going to get an NCAA tournament bid. And so we come home, and we have the team over to my house, and we have some boosters over, and our athletic director and our you know chancellor. Media's in there, the TVs, radio stations, and we're sitting there watching the selection show, and Colorado, is, the name doesn't come up. And so I'm sitting there in my living room with our team, with the media, with our administration, and nobody knows what to do or what to say. I've never been more disappointed and, and, and crushed in my life for a group of young men. And I took them down in the basement and I said, guys, I don't know what just happened, but we're not going to the tournament. But guess what? We're going to be in the NIT. And we got to make a run. And, uh, boy, we sure did. We lost to a really, really good uh, Alabama team in the semifinals. Well, you're talking to somebody who's uh, – I was lucky enough to coach three teams that won the NIT. And I had people yep. that say, well, that was – NIT stood for not important tournament. And any time <laughs> I heard that, I fought them because I, I yep. agree with you. Uh, going, spending that uh, two to three weeks, and it's actually three weeks – of extra yep. practice, of bonding together, of being on the road. And, and one year I, I asked the committee to send me on the road the whole time, and we won the darn thing. So I, I agree with yep. you. I think it's, I think it's really important. Uh, and that, that, that's, that's what poised us for the next year, Dave, because the next year, you know, we win 24 games again. We win the, the, the Pac-12 because we moved from the Big 12 after that first year to the Pac-12. And first year in the Pac-12, we win the Pac-12 tournament and go to the NCAA tournament now and beat a UNLV team 
in the first round and then lose to Baylor, you know, uh it was a it was a tie game with three minutes to go. I mean we were we were with Nylash of of being in a sweet sixteen but we don't that we don't have that year in my opinion unless we go to the final four of the NIT the previous year. And so that's that's where I think the value of that tournament. And there, you know, we've played in it two or three times since we've been here. It's a there's a lot of good basketball teams. Last year we played Dayton in the NIT. It was a high level of basketball game. That was two NCAA tournament teams. And now here we are. Dayton's you know in the top five or top ten, and we're we're a top twenty team. And here's two teams that were were hooking it up in the NIT last year. So it's it's good basketball, and 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 I I think that tournament is does not get its uh, its due. That's good perspective. Look, uh, one one thing as we wind down now. Uh, one one thing I want to talk to you about. You are the chair, current chair of the NCAA Rules Committee. I was on that for eight years uh, when I was coaching. I think that's one of the most important positions or committees uh, that you can be on. Uh, it it, it kind of shapes the, the way basketball is played. Uh, talk to us a little bit about being on that Rules Committee. You're the chair. Uh, why is it so important? And, you know, what do you think of the rules that have been passed and maybe one or two things that you're considering? Well, uh, Dave, let me just say this. Now, I'm humbled, number one, because it's, it's, uh, it's a committee that I think, like you said, it's helped shape the game. And I take, I take the role very, very seriously, and I have learned so much. Thank goodness, I think the terms are four years now, not eight years. I'm, I don't know if I could do eight. I think it was open-ended back when I was doing it. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it, it is a good it's a, it's a it's a good group of of uh, collection of coaches, administrators. You've got Division One guys, Division Two, II, Division Three. You've got uh, conference uh, uh, personnel in there, and so you get a lot of different perspectives. And one of the things I appreciate about the committee is that they're very deliberate. And they're very slow to make changes because, uh, look, college basketball is a great game, and it is a it's in a good spot right now, and it has been for years, and certainly it's evolved, and you you know you've seen uh, the committees try to take physicality out of the game and have more freedom of movement, and we're they're, they're trying to get scoring up to make it more fan friendly, and so. Uh, you know the biggest rule change, obviously, uh, we we just passed last year was the extension of the three point line, and uh, but but that decision wasn't made in one year. It wasn't like we just got together in the in the room and say, hey, let's move the three point line out. I mean, it's something that uh, the committee had studied and considered well before I got on the committee, and now it became time where we had the data, the NIT that we just talked about extensively. It's a tournament that uses a lot of uh, experimental rules, so it's a great way to experiment with a rule in the NIT or with a preseason exempt event where you can get some data. Like, okay, the three-point line is going to move out. How much of an uh, effect is that going to have on the game? Well, we had two years of data from the NIT games, all the NIT games, and uh, we could study it. And said, hey, it's it's only going to move the percentage point down about 1%, and it's, that's been about accurate, maybe 1%, 1.5%, not a significant change. But maybe it can open up the floor for more drivers, and it can increase scoring. It makes zone defenses maybe you know have to extend a little bit. 
so yeah, I, I that's that's an example of a rule that can maybe help the game, but we're very very deliberate and we try to study it. And one of the things I'm, uh, you know, as as the chairman, uh, I, I just try to you know every meeting we have is let's make sure if we make a rule change, it's well thought out. We've get, got some data behind it, and uh, there's good reasons for it. Otherwise, let's keep the game the way it is. And we got to look at it. we got to always analyze it. But, but let's be real slow to move, and I, and I think uh, we will be that way as, as, uh, as we go forward. I close up every uh, podcast uh, session by asking uh, the person, Tad Bull in this case, you're a young coach coming along uh, today. What would what advice would you, as a head coach at the University of Colorado, talk to somebody who is an aspiring 25, 27-year-old coach who wants to get to be in your place one day? What 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 advice or uh, maybe maybe two or three things that you would tell them is important today? The, the two biggest things I would say is I would say three. Um, uh, number one, there's a old coach, you may remember Don Meyer, who's no longer with us, but Don Meyer was a very successful coach at the Division II level, um, finished his, his, his uh, northern state there in, or in South Dakota. Um, he always told me, make the job you have the best job there is. And and I guess I would tell a young coach they're they're always looking at the next step, and they forget about you're coaching at you know Gastonia High School. Make Gastonia High School the best job in North Carolina, or Greeley Central High School the best job in Colorado. Make where you're at the best job. So don't get ahead of yourself. That would be number one. Number two, build as many deep uh, rooted genuine relationships that you can with anybody that you can be be the kind of person that that somebody wants to pick up the phone and 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 help out with and then number three is continually learn about the game of basketball and how to teach it and how to coach it and i think the relationships will translate to recruiting i think knowing the game will translate to helping your team be successful uh, and 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 making the job where you're at, wherever it is, the best job you know in your league or in your state. Those are the three things I would say to a young coach. Thanks, Tad. I appreciate that. And I want to thank everybody for tuning in to the NABC Guardians of the Game podcast, and also to especially to Coach Tad Boyle. I know you've been busy. Uh, you've taken some time away from uh, your office, and also your team to, to join us and to share some memories that you've had in, in, along the way, you know, Greeley High School and Northern Colorado, Colorado, and, and, and today your, your team is doing so well uh, out uh, on the West Coast and, and you're a factor every, every night you go in. That's got to make you feel really, really good. So good luck to you and your team will be following you from afar for the rest of the year. You're a real champion, Tad and a real tribute to college basketball. And I want to tell the fans that to learn more about the NABC, visit nabc.com.